Pod Dylan will not be heard this week so that we may bring you the following special presentation. favorite sugary cereal and join us for Saturday Morning Fever, the newest show from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and joining me is, uh, we don't have the full complement of Fire and Water Network hosts, but we have, I think we have a quorum, right? We can say we have a quorum uh, here. Uh, We have Ryan Daly. Ryan, hello. Hello. Chris Franklin. Solomon Grundy only here to promote new cookbook. (laughs) Won't answer any questions about challenge of super friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to ask for that. I was waiting for I was hoping we would get that. And Ciscoid. Hi. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are very excited about this new show that we're doing. This is our first, like, all-across-the-board network show, and we should explain a little bit what this is. Uh, Saturday Morning Fever will be a sort of uh, every-so-often special that uh, is going to focus on the classic Saturday morning and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, afternoon shows, uh, animated shows that we all grew up loving and enjoying. And uh, we just wanted to talk about these sorts of things. And we wanted to have a show that we could focus this on if we didn't want to devote a specific episode of our own shows to them. So this is where you're going to hear this stuff. And for this first episode, we are going to be talking about a show near and dear to many nerds' hearts, Challenge of the Super Friends, which is, of course, one of the iterations of the long-running Super Friends show. But before we get to that, we do have to thank our pal Luke Dobb for the amazing theme that he recorded, which you just heard. Guys, what did you think of that theme? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I was just, I'm like, I I, I wanted a cartoon that had a theme like that as soon as I heard it. (laughs) Luke's great. He's got any, I mean, how many talents does he need? Yeah, I know. It's very He's also a good visual artist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very handsome. It's super annoying. It is. He's one of those guys who's like obnoxiously good at too many things. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so nice. His hair, you know. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. hair is great. The whole thing is just super annoying. Yeah, we asked him a little while ago to to do a theme, and I sort of gave him some vague ideas about what I wanted, and said, "Could you maybe come up with something?" And then, like a, three days later, he sends this fully orchestrated thing with all these beats in it, and it had all the stuff that I talked about. So he did a tremendous job. So it was really the the driver of uh, of of that of like to getting us all together. Because once we had the theme, we had to use it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once, <laughs> right. once Luke made all the, put all that effort into uh, to composing that theme, I was like, well, we can't just, you know, we have to do something with it, for God's sake. So we dragged all our butts together. Uh, you can tell which one of us is not here. And so the conclusion you can reach is that that one person doesn't really like Luke Dobb that much. But, you know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Cindy. So... <laughs> yes, Cindy. Jeez. <laughs> Let's jump right into challenge of the super friends guy who did any of you watch these shows when they first aired when they like you know when they like in 1978 which was the beginning of uh, this this particular run of super friends definitely i did yeah or at least i i think so i feel like i did if not then i saw the episodes like a year or two later uh the series predates me by a couple years so no um i i know that i watched them on saturday mornings but 
my memory is really foggy because I should have been I should have been watching the legendary Superpower show because that came out in the early '80s. But for some reason, my memories of those early ones were not of Darkseid and Firestorm and Cyborg. It was of the Legion of Doom. It was of these shows. So maybe they were reruns that I was watching, or maybe I was watching them after school, and my memories just kind of gotten foggy. But I don't know. I, I do remember watching these cartoons as a kid, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been possible for me to watch them when they first aired. Yeah, I remember watching them when when they were. And I mean, I watched the Super Friends longer than I can remember. I don't remember a time where I didn't watch the Super Friends and just seeing the show was so exciting because it was the closest I'd ever seen to a DC comic done on television. I mean, aside from all the characters that we got to see, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and, and then these other characters, like, who's Apache Chief? Who's, who's Samurai? <laughs> Who are these guys? It was just, like, tonally, it was so much like the DC comics that I was reading at the time. And it was just so exciting, you know? I mean, like Captain Cold and, like, the Toy Man and Gorilla Grodd and Black Mana. I mean, like, oh, I mean, it was just, like, literally ripped right from the comics. It was just so, so exciting. And, you know, now, Chris, you have a little bit of information. Like, this show had some sort of birthing pains, right? There, there was a, this was a very different show. As It started out as a very different show than what we got, right? Right. I, I read an article uh, by Super Friends animator Daryl McNeil, who was a protege of Alex Toth, who, of course, worked on the Super Friends series. And uh, it's, this is also on Wiki, Wikipedia uh, as well. But the challenge of the Super Friends actually started out as a show that was going to apparently be called Battle of the Superheroes, and that was where Hanna-Barbera was going to introduce Captain Marvel, Shazam, into the Super Friends. And the group that was going to challenge them was called the League of Evil, and the leader of that group was going to be Dr. Savannah. Uh, then they figured out that even though Filmation had, Filmation had, had made a live-action Shazam series a few years earlier, so Hanna-Barbera thought they had animation rights. Well, it turns out, in a very strange, only Hollywood kind of way, that now Hanna-Barbera had live-action Shazam rights, but Filmation now had animated rights to him. <laughs> so, they could, so they couldn't use him or any of his characters. But the original proto-Legion of Doom was supposed to consist of Savannah, Mr. Adam, King Cole, Beauty of Savannah, the Joker, the Penguin, Mr. Freeze, and Catwoman, and they couldn't use most of the Bat villains because, again, Filmation had gotten the rights to Batman again to do a solo Batman cartoon, which was the new Adventures of Batman that eventually became part of, like, Batman and the Super 7, and they aired it with Tarzan, and it it, it was all over the map in the late 70s. That's where Adam West and Burt Ward came back and, and voiced Batman and Robin. But they couldn't use most of the Bat villains, so that's why you got Riddler and Scarecrow and not like Joker and Penguin on Challenge of the Super Friends. Eventually, they changed all that up, and you got Luthor as the leader. In the Shazam version, was Superman not going to be on the show at all? Well, I'm guessing Superman was still there. But they That would have been gonna... weird to have Superman and Shazam yeah. in the same show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been My, really The mind cool. boggles. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as you could tell from watching the show, it's very Superman and Batman centric. You've got three Superman villains: Brainiac and Luthor and Bizarro. And again, one of the things that I do love about the show is the very distinctive voice acting, like the voice cast. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many of the voices on the show are so distinctive. Whether it's Girl Grodd or the aforementioned Solomon Grundy, who we just heard earlier, uh, but you know, I mean, Bizarro. They all Brainiac. I mean, they these guys are so familiar, like, they're so much a part of my childhood, those voices, and they really did a great job putting those guys, I mean, the, the super friends themselves are a bit on the generic side, except for maybe Apache Chief, but uh, the the villains, man, they are just, I mean, even Toy Men, who was super annoying, uh, they just, they just amazing work by the by the voice actor, the voice casting guys, because it's just, the show is just so memorable with those, I mean, the black man, I mean, I want a voice modulator like that, just to sound like him. Yeah, that was that was Ted Cassidy, wasn't it? Wasn't that Lurch from the the Adams Family? Wasn't he Black Manna? I think so. I think so. I love that you yeah. ever put them through that thing that made him sound like that. I mean, he's just sort of amazing. And then, again, like like Giganta, like really you know, bizarre villains they threw in. It was really is 
it is the closest I can think of to what the comics seemed like at the time. And, you know, they're a bit on the crazy side. Actually, these episodes are really on the crazy side. Uh, but that reminds me of 70s DC Comics. It's like stuff happens because it does. Okay, I always thought yeah. it was a little more Silver Age than... Like it, 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 oh, looking at it now, it's like a little bit out of date for the late '70s, where it's really Silver Age plots, where the you know the heroes of separate and the the science is very um, extreme and strange. It's like, and every time I read comics from that era, from uh, from the Silver Age and Bronze Age, with these characters in it, those are the voices they have in my mind. <laughs> but when I read modern comics, they've got the voices from the um, uh, the Bruce Tim stuff. <laughs> For some reason, I, yeah. I you know, because the the feeling is the same. So the narration and I use the same voices for my in my head canon. In terms of, th- there's only 17 of these, uh, which is amazing because your your memory plays tricks. on when you're a kid, oh, actually, actually I, I stand corrected. There's only 16 of these episodes. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I thought Challenge of the Super Friends ran for 10 years. You know, and then I went back and looked at, no, there's only 16 of them. And part of it is because, of course, they've been rerun so many times, like Ryan talked about, and that's when he saw them as reruns. But, I mean, they're so distinctive that, I mean, they they, they stick out in my mind. I mean, like the, the intro where they, hear, where they all run together, and they're running at each other in those great stock poses that look almost a little like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. Uh, I mean, I know they're not, but they kind of look like that. I mean... In terms of episodes, you guys have a particular favorite? There were one or two that you think about that are like your, your favorite ones? Uh, well, you know, I, I actually got a list, but I'll, <laughs> I'll kind of narrow it down to one. Uh, probably the one that impacted me the most uh, was Super Friends Rest in Peace because I distinctly remember seeing this one for the first time as a kid, mm-hmm. and it opens on Batman's funeral. And I was just like, I was traumatized. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, I, you know, now when the comic book character dies, it's like, oh, you know, start the clock and see how long it takes <laughs> to come back. Uh, but, you know, that was before that. So, you know, they, they'd never dared kill them, kill them before. Fancy meeting you here, Batman. If you've come to help your poor commissioner, you're too late. <laughs> The Riddler must be losing his marbles if he thinks he can outdrive me. I've only got a fraction of a second. There's the Riddler now. Okay, Riddler, it's the end of the line. I'm afraid you're right, Batman. Only it's not my line that's come to an end. It's yours! It's Batman. He's dead. You know, you get Batman gets killed, and then Wonder Woman gets killed, and then Superman gets killed. So they take out the, the Trinity, and, you know, it, it, now... Now, given the wrap-up of this episode is one of the goofier ones uh, <laughs> of the series. I mean, there's some really goofy parts to that episode that we'll get to later on. But, yeah, I mean, it's it was a nail-biter. You know, I mean, they were picking off the Justice League one by one with this deadly Noxium element that, you know, that some heretofore unknown member of the Legion had been created <laughs> years before. That's my favorite so, element, is that there's a whole member that used to be a member of the Legion of, Legion of Doom, and he's not a member anymore. And you're like, you think you'd want that guy to stick around because he came up with a way to kill the Super Friends. You think he would be a pretty valuable right. member of the team. Dr. Nataz, which is Satan backwards. Yeah, very clever. <laughs> These shows are much darker than a lot of the other Super Friends seasons. There's no kids, except for Robin, there's no kid sidekick, sidekicks, no... Zen and Jane and Gleek, there's no, uh, or uh, Wendy and Marvin, there's none of that. And, all, and, and you know, you got Super Friends being killed, you've got the end of the world, you've got a very, a lot of apocalypse, uh, apocalypse, well, I don't mean the fourth world, but <laughs> the apocalypse comes, comes home to roost every few episodes. Um, you know, they, their lives are undone. And really, the villains are the protagonists of this. It always starts with the Legion of Doom and their mm-hmm. plans. So the, the Super Friends are reactive. They're always reacting to what, whatever the Legion of Doom has got uh, cooked up. So we, we always start in the swamp. So this is the villain's show. 
Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, that every episode began with that sort of same shot of, like, Wong taking us through the swamp to the Legion of Doom and their headquarters, and it always started with them setting up what this story was going to be. And yeah, the, the heroes are very reactive, and yeah, the the nature of the show is always very strange that way, that it's sitting there. Like, these are the characters that we're following, but it really seems like it was about the bad guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, the guy who played uh, Luthor... He just seems so mad all the time. He's just screaming his plans every episode. You know, we're gonna, we're going to destroy the super friends once and for all. I mean, he's just like so pissed off. He's so not Gene Hackman. I mean, he's really really mad. I mean, this is a show. I mean, commenting on on what Cisco said, this is a show that had an episode where they introduced zombies for Pete's yeah. sake. Well, Solomon Grundy a is, is a zombie. Well, that's yeah. true. Solomon yeah. Grundy is a zombie. I didn't even forget. But, I mean, there's literally an episode where they have a swamp witch, and, you know, again, these zombies come out, and they, they attack the Legion of Doom and stuff, and they look like your classic zombies. Like, they're you know, they're all kind of desiccated corpses, and they're, you know. I mean, this thing is – and one of the – you mentioned, Chris, the um, – Rest in Peace episode, which is also my favorite. I remember watching that in at the time. I remember being in my old my old house in Philadelphia, and that scene where they where they kill Batman. I was like, "What?" You know, like I was just like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And again, I didn't know back then you couldn't do stuff like that. And um, again, again referencing something Cisco had said, the first episode of the show features the Riddler talking about the Legion of Doom and talking about the Super Friends, and he has like playing cards. And you see uh, Zan and Jaina on the playing cards. And mm-hmm. then he then he like sets them on fire. And I'm like, wow, so there's actually some level of continuity here. Like these other Super Friends adventures exist in this show's universe, but we've taken a dark turn here. Everything is everybody's a lot angrier. And I mean well, the, the season it, ends on, on the end of the world. It's undone at the end, but, but the heroes lose. And it takes a, like a Deus Ex Machina to Literally, that's the name of the characters to, to to undo it. So it's like a season of ultimately a failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, did this series? It's mind blowing. Yeah, that that that's true. I mean, it's the the the, the heroes don't actually resolve that at all. It's those uh, the the aliens that, that, those aliens. that come and and yeah. those yeah. and that's an episode that's about how. The heroes actually created the villains. Right. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. the episode is yeah. about. So this is a very, very dark series, even though it's, you know, it's goofy and a fun action adventure uh, where anything can happen. Let's, let's trot out some stock monsters, and, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's a very unusual show. Do you have a particular favorite, Cisco? Uh, well, uh, yes, my well, my actual favorite is the Secret Origins one. Oh yeah, see, Secret. Mm-hmm. That, that's my and and we can talk about that one. Although th- there is, I do want to mention uh, what is what's the name of it? Uh, the, the final challenge, which was what f- as a child, uh, and then not seeing the show for a long while. That's what stuck with me was that that episode where uh, an alien entity takes the heroes and villains, takes them to an alien world, and then forces them to have challenges one against the other, which is basically the setup for Marvel's Secret Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when, you know, when I got Secret Wars, when I was I know, 11, 12, whatever it was, when it came out in the early 80s, I said, oh, this is, this is actually the whole setup for Challenge of the Super Friends. And in my mind, the show was always like this. Like, that this show, Challenge of the Super Friends, was always beyond our world, the aliens setting them up against each other. Like, that was the only plot for me. For some reason, I thought the whole series was based around that one idea, but it's just that one episode. Anyway, uh, no, but the real, my, my real favorite is Secret Origins of the Super Friends. And to some extent, although History of Doom, the, that last one I mentioned, uh, isn't a very good episode, and it's as an episode... It also delves into some secret origins, the secret origin of Lex Luthor, the secret origin of Apache Chief and Giganta, um, you know, and of the Legion of Doom. So these two episodes about secret origins was like, I think that's where I learned most of my DC, my early DC lore. This is where I learned how, you know, the secret origin of Wonder Woman. 
Later, as the tournament is about to commence, Diana and the others are unaware that a stranger is in their ranks. The tournament will now begin. As the games proceed, Diana eliminates dozens of opponents, handily winning the lasso contest. The cheetah, with her cat-like skills, easily defeats dozens of others. As the tournament nears its end, only two girls have survived the tournament. They shall meet each other in the final match, the magic bracelets against the Stunray. When I win this final event, Diana will never become Wonder Woman. And whoever, whoever else was in there, Superman. Well, Superman I probably knew already, uh, but those... And Green Lantern, I mean... It has Abin Sir in it, for Pete's sake. Yeah. Abin Sir, we had the classic look uh, Jor-El, we had uh, uh, Pa and Ma Kent, um, Pa Kent looking like FDR or something. But, <laughs> and, you know, so we had all of that stuff, and as a kid, if I was, when it came out, I was uh, seven, and not a very nimble English speaker, probably, at that time. So... That's where I learned a lot of my DC, my, or my first DC knowledge is this is where I got it. And then only later got into comics uh, when I could actually read the language. So, and I, I watched it again today uh, in preparation for this. And I, you know, it's also a what if episode. What if these characters, what if uh, the, you know, the, the, the villains interrupt history and, and make sure those origins don't happen and then it changes the, you, you see in the present where the hero disappears and everybody goes just like, you know, they, they, they continue, like Superman Day becomes Hawkman Day. <laughs> I love that. Hawkman secretly yeah. is like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Superman wasn't around, then Hawkman would be <laughs> the number one hero. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's really interesting the way they do it. And so, yeah, Secret Origins of the Super Friends is, I think, stands stands as my favorite. And it's also got, I, I even like the, the art in it a little more. I mean, we haven't talked about the animation so much. It's obviously more primitive than what we're now used to. But uh, I, especially the Wonder Woman sequence, everybody's got these Al Milgram cheeks. It was really, like, <laughs> has, this, has this been inked by Al Milgram? It was really, really... <laughs> Oh, yeah, Cheetah, Cheetah takes her cowl off and her, yeah. her costume off in that episode, and holy cheekbones. Yeah. Yeah, and it's lo- those little feathered cheekbones. This is really like Al Milgram marks. And so was, it, it really struck me. Anyway, so I, I thought that was like the standout episode for me, uh, scanning through them today. Ryan, what about you? Well, unsurprisingly, Secret Origins is also my favorite <laughs> episode, uh, and it's for a lot of the things that Cisco just mentioned. I love just seeing, I learned some of the, the characters from that, in particular Wonder Woman. Uh, I think what really stands out in that episode is they did, in five minutes of that cartoon, what it has taken Warner Brothers 70 years to do in a movie which is convey her origin so simply that a child could understand this. Yes, it's somewhat anachronistic to modern times, but get over that. It's a fantasy story. You've got a culture of women, and the goddess says, you need to send your champion into the world to stop the forces of evil. So they hold a contest to see who is the champion, but the queen doesn't want her daughter to enter that contest because she's afraid that she'll die. And there's even a line in there like where she says, like, if you go, you will sacrifice your immortality or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But that line always struck with me. And then like, years later down the road, I think when I saw the movie Field of Dreams, I kind of equated that. Like once... They, you know, you step over the line once you leave the baseball field. Like the ghosts, they could never go back to that. And that always kind of struck me as a weird and and kind of fantastic thing for Wonder Woman that by choosing this life as a warrior, she is committing herself to eventually dying for this cause. That she can never really go back to the paradise that she had. Um, And this is all stuff that either consciously or not, I I grasp as a kid. And yeah, it just, it floored me. So yeah, that's always been my my favorite episode. Second favorite of all things, strangely, it's the monolith of evil. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I think it's just because it was a big Hawkman episode and the show made me a big Hawkman fan. It sounds like the Riddler is trying to lead us into another trap. You're probably right, Hawkman. Uh, he's, He's great in that, so... 
Uh, yeah, it was it was cool. I always liked that that one too. Just and Solomon Grundy, <laughs> I, th- I think, actually grabs Black Manta by the head in the beginning and just like makes him sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I think Monolith of Evil is the one where they they you know make that deal and they get the monolith and then they just betray the mm-hmm. the as soon as they they betray the, the their partner in them and then it's like, well, why didn't you get like the Legion of Doom is really their own worst enemy in the show. Because they, oh, yeah, yeah. they, 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 they make these deals for absolute power and then they turn on the person. Or like in the, 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 uh, the Rest in Peace episode, they have that crystal that kills the super friends. And once all the super friends are dead, Luthor just throws it out. He's just like, we're never going to need this again. And he just literally throws it down a sewer grate. Like, why don't you just hold on to it? Who knows what like, could happen? Jet Lex, I mean, what is the matter with you? But of course, you know, they're meant for children. They're not, you're not really supposed to understand that. My personal favorite, uh, outside of the Rest in Peace one... And and I have to look at this through the, the 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 prism of Aquaman because he never got a whole lot to do in these shows. Is episode four, which is the time trap, and that's where <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I know Chris loves this bit, but it's a Gorilla Grodd creates a time machine, which of course you know why couldn't he do that? Because Gorilla Fingers are used to like highly technical work, and uh, he lures Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Apache Chief back in time, back in pre or uh, Apache Chief and Aquaman back to prehistoric times. And they're trapped there, and Aquaman figures out a way out of it by burying his JLA communicator on his belt, which he happens to mention is nuclear-powered. I've tracked it down exactly, Aquaman. This is the precise location of the Hall of Justice, but what good will it do us? My Justice League mini-radio is powered by a tiny nuclear battery, which will last well over 100 million years. Black Matter said we were in 70 million BC. All we have to do is add 1,978 years plus 252 days, and set the mini-radio to give off a trouble alert signal at that time. Of course, Aquaman. Then if we bury it under the Hall of Justice, the super friend should receive the signal in the future. It's our only chance. Because of course it is. In the exact same spot that the Hall of Justice will be built millions of years later. And then, of course, it goes off. And the super friends discover it, and that's the clue to retrieve them. And I'm like, even as a kid, I was like, yeah, sure. Wait, what? <laughs> like, what the hell? Is he ta- what are you guys talking about? How can his communicator be nuclear powered? And it, it, wait, wait a minute, what? You know, but I no, mean, I think that science checks out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Gardner Fox science, like Siskoid said. Yep. That's Gardner Fox, Justice League of America science. And that's why it works. If Green Lantern can move the Earth a few degrees out of orbit, <laughs> you know, in one of the the first shows, then yeah, any, anything can happen. I think that's the same episode that Bat the Batman and the Bat uses the Bat plane to go back in time. <laughs> like, like, since when can the Bat plane do that? I mean, Superman, okay, but Batman's just like, yeah, let's go back in time. I'm like, wow, you know, like that had to be so much fun to write a show where you could literally just do anything. You know, you're like, whatever we got to do. That's it. It's the Michael Bailey because comics, and this, this is because of Hanna Barbera. Like, whatever you need to do, the Super Friends can do it. The Flash can fly when he needs to. You right, know, he right. takes off flying with the rest of them. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Magic Lasso can turn into a cage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> whatever. Robin's got a lightsaber. You know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the lightsaber. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, Cisco, you mentioned earlier the, the visuals of it. Yeah, I and mean, this is, you know, a very primitive show by any, you know, what we're used to in terms of, it, especially when you compare it to the slickness of Bruce Tam. But, it, you know, visually, I mean, they all look like what they looked like in the comics, yep. which I always thought was really exciting. It's very colorful. Uh, and, I mean, again, I mean, we talk about the, the voice work. One of the things that, that must be mentioned, and I, and I, I tended to give Hanna-Barbera some good natured ribbing on the Aquaman trying when I would profile these episodes is like how many visual mistakes were made on <laughs> the show. And, you know, this whole show that we're doing Saturday morning fever is to, is really to sort of celebrate these things, but you know, come on, you got, <laughs> you know, there's, there's one episode, um, the giants of doom where, uh, Luther and Brainiac come up with some sort of uh, array which they always had rays. They always came up with, which is another one of those things where it's like, why don't you just sell those patents and become the next Bill Gates, Luthor? Why are you wasting time robbing banks? 
but uh, they shoot this ray at Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman. And, of course, the animators didn't want to animate anything special, so they just took the three poses and just twirled them in the air. So they just spin them around. <laughs> and it's like, it makes our heroes look very undignified. And even when I was a kid, I kind of knew that that was sort of cut-rate animation. I mean, it wasn't as bad as, like, Scooby-Doo running by the same lamp 25 times, but it was it was akin to that. And, you know, like... You look back on it now and you're like, wow, these things were really done for, for cheap. And apparently, I think I had read that, like, some of this work was done by prisoners in, in, oh like, in, in foreign countries or something like that. Well, I think oh the show God. was animated in Korea, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, and there's, a, there's an extra on the DVD that, uh, you know, where you've got, like, Jeff Johns and people talking about the series and meant to them, uh, but they've got a segment on those weird mistakes. And it's like for one frame, the colors on the costume are reversed for one brief shot. Hawkman has three arms. <laughs> how do you, yeah. how do you do the three arm mistake? Even if, you know, like the, the reason is, well, the, those Korean uh, animators don't know anything about superhero comics from the, from the States. So they make those kinds of mistakes and somebody corrects them and they just leave the frame in, who cares, kind of thing. But three arms is <laughs> it's very strange. That's a prisoner's desperate plea for help somehow. Yeah, sending <laughs> right, signals. Right. That, third, that third arm was like, you know, sending like a, yeah, some kind of like sign language. Uh, right. <laughs> There's one episode, I forget which one it is, but where, where Batman, Robin, Green Lantern, and a couple other characters are trapped in a... A, a, a basement prison of the Hall of Justice, and Batman crawls out. And as he's crawling out, you can see watching him is Batman. <laughs> There's two Batmans. Yep. <laughs> That's my favorite when they have, like, in, in the episode, in the Rest in Peace episode, Batman's dead, but yet he's standing with the rest of the Super Friends later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's an episode where, in the, in the Time Trap one, uh, Green Lantern is shown in the Hall of Doom brig while he's back in time in Camelot. Uh, so I mean, it's they were really bad about. I mean, that's one thing Bruce Tim why he resisted doing Justice League so long is he said it would be a night. He knew it was going to be a nightmare to juggle all those characters. Well, clearly, you really have to put a lot of thought into. Okay, this character is not here right now. They're back in time. They're dead. You know, but you know the the prisoner animators or whoever it was obviously didn't get the memo that no Batman's dead right now so just you know don't draw him in this scene <laughs> especially when they went to Justice League uh, you know unlimited <laughs> the JLU yeah. was so many characters and they they did have a Legion of Doom season so That's very true. much inspired by this. That's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, speaking of characters, I mean, do you guys have a particular favorite character? I mean, mine's always going to be Aquaman, and I always rooted for Aquaman because, you know, I just wanted him more to do. But in terms of like, this particular iteration of the show, is there one that you guys really liked outside of, like, your particular favorite from the comics? Uh, I always like Green Lantern on this show. I mean, I like the original five Super Friends. But uh, I like Green Lantern because they, they seem to, like, focus on him quite a bit. You saw, like, Hal Jordan twice. You never saw Bruce Wayne in the classic version of the Super Friends until they did the Superpowers uh, Galactic Guardian season. Uh, we saw Clark Kent a few times, but you saw Hal Jordan twice. He had that California tan, which Jeff Johns and Mark <laughs> Wade even mentioned on the DVD Cisco he's talking about. Uh, but, you know, and he had that really, that really great authoritative voice, you know, my power ring will blow, blah, blah, you know, uh, it, it just, it, it just really, and it was the same guy as Apache Chief. So if you ever notice when Apache Chief and Green Lantern are in a scene together, the actor will talk slower as Apache Chief. We better get to the Hall of Doom <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, he'll slow it down even more so you can tell, so you I hope nobody notices it. It's the same voice. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I really like Green Lantern. They gave him a lot to do on this series. There's that one episode where him and Superman like merge into each other to do. I can't remember. What, I haven't watched that one in a while. But I, I remember as a kid thinking that was like the coolest thing ever that, that when they had to do that. So The ring can really do anything on that show. It, I mean, there, there's one, uh, I don't remember which episode, but where he traps Luthor in a dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like Luthor screaming at him from as the face of the bill. <laughs> <laughs> so anything. I mean, I wish he'd do stuff like this in the comics, you know. I'm trying to think because uh, at the same time, we, we could actually name villains because they're part of the cast. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
everybody was in it all the time. Uh, but um, uh, I, I really like the narrator. <laughs> and it's an odd <laughs> one to pick, but that is such an iconic voice. Bill Woodson, great, great voice. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same things. Later, at the Hall of Justice, always at the Hall of Justice or whatever. Uh, and uh, I imagine him as he's those three stars blasting at the screen during... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when when we pause for when we change places for the action, but um, no, I think uh, maybe um, hmm, I like the characters that we don't know anything about uh, that aren't DC characters that were created for the show. I I mean I like obviously I like the DC characters and probably if I had to name one super friend who was my favorite watching these episodes, I probably like Wonder Woman. I I, I was always intrigued even as, as a child as how that lasso worked uh, because it did a lot of different things and so the magic lasso we know what the magic is supposed to be in the comics but in on the show uh, it had many tricks uh, and so uh, it was always a very always a strange experience watching her uh, do things and she was uh, like the only woman on the team uh, so that was interesting to me but um, probably I, I really like Apache Chief that's a character I you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like electroc. What, what kind of magic, you know, Native American word is that? But, uh, but yeah, and he did get an origin eventually at, at the end in the history of Doom. So we saw how that worked. And the, being a giant, I don't know, it, visually it was interesting. And, you know, it's like it taps into Godzilla movies and him and Giganta fighting. Uh, always struck me, and because the character wasn't in the comics, he remained enigmatic to me. Um, and be- because he was featured more than Samurai or later uh, El Dorado, um, or you know, Black Vulcan in a sense, who's Black Lightning, but not really. There, I think you know, Apache Chief is somebody I, I think about and wish he was in the comics in some way uh, more than he's been. They've sometimes used, they've sometimes used analogs. Uh, like the the wink at the super friends, but um, yeah, I'll go and say Apache Chief. Ryan, Long way about, around to get there. Ryan, what about you? I always, I mean, I liked Hawkman in the cartoon. Like I've said before, that I was always a big Hawkman fan, despite not reading a lot of great Hawkman comics. Um, it was mostly because of the impression this show left on me, and having the action figure when I was a kid. Um, it's just something about his look was really cool. I liked the wings, and I liked the mask. Um, but aside from that, I also, I always liked Black Vulcan too. And I, I'm revisiting the episodes recently. I like him all the more. I really wish that, you know, DC could have made some agreement with Tony Isabella. And I wish the character could have been Black Lightning, uh, because I think then that character would have permeated multimedia and had a bigger sort of mainstream presence. And, you know, the character might be more popular today. But of the original sort of classic characters, Hawkman was my favorite, probably with Batman or Wonder Woman behind him. It must make you feel good to know that, you know, it could have been all Hawkman. If it wasn't for <laughs> Superman, it would have been all Hawkman. <laughs> and you know what? Now that segment of Justice League of America issue 200 makes so much more sense. <laughs> That's still my all-time favorite page, that that uh, Joe Kubert, Superman, and Hawkman fighting. It would have been DC Comics Presents starring Hawkman and other characters. It would have been an amazing book. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was always well, frustrated a little. Like, I mean, growing up, I never considered the three other characters, the three quote-unquote ethnic characters, as anything less than the other super friends. You know what I mean? Like, I always – I liked them all just fine. In fact, I really liked El Dorado, and I always wondered why El Dorado wasn't in the challenge of the super friends because I always thought he was cool and had, a, like, a very, very nebulous power set. And he could just kind of do whatever they needed him to do. <laughs> he could teleport or he could do, you know, whatever. But I actually, yeah, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. But I, I liked them just fine. And I've always wondered why they weren't grafted into the comics at some point, other than in the, in the superpowers. But like, I always thought they were, you know, like I accepted them. I didn't. It's a rights I, issue, right? It, is it I really? A, is it? I thought it was. Oh, like I know it was it, created I, for I the show, so that they belong to, to Hanna Barbera. But I mean, what's Hanna Barbera right. going to do? Like, what, what are they going to do with them? You know what I mean? They're, they're, if they they're were still planning that, uh, those characters would be 
perfect for a relaunched Justice League International because they are the international cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been really cool. I mean, they could well, if, if, if Harley Quinn can go from the animated series to DC Comics, why not? I, I think it was partly because, you know, they were created by Hanna-Barbera, and now, of course, at some point, Hanna-Barbera was bought by Ted Turner, so then before you had, you know, Turner was in with Warner, so I think they're all under the same umbrella now, because you have gotten them in the action figure lines, like the the Mattel, uh, the DC Universe Classics, and uh, in in the the current Super Friends line that uh, Figures Toy Company's making, the Mego style. Uh, So it is kind of weird. Marvin and Wendy, yeah. Right. Marvin and Wendy are in the comics, yeah. Right, and they've used Zan and Jaina uh, in the Extreme Justice series, Uh, so... (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think they can, you know, it, it is weird. The Samurai got used in that last Superpowers yep. uh, miniseries because they put him in the toy line. He's the only one of that bunch that, that made it. They had prototype of, of El Dorado, I know. And I think El Dorado's not in this. I don't think he came out until, came in until like uh, two seasons after this. Oh, I think was he it was after this? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think they added him later. Yeah, so he was later. I always kind of thought it was odd that you didn't get Green Arrow, uh, Plastic Man, Hot Girl and the Adam, who'd all been on the show before this, uh, they you know Hawk, um, Green Arrow and Plastic Man were on the first version of the Super Friends, and then Adam and Hot Girl were in the the all new Super Friends hour the year before, where they do the one main team segment and then I'll do all those team up mm-hmm. mini so mm-hmm. shorts. And so the Adam and, and Hawk, Hawk Girl was with Hawkman. There's one weird episode where Hawk Girl's like colored all wrong. It's like she's got like a purple helmet. All, it's weird. <laughs> it's really it's really jacked up looking. If you ever find that one, but but yeah, you think they would use Hawk Girl to kind of you know give another put another female on the team, but oh well, they couldn't do that. That would just two yeah. women on the same team. That'd be weird. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> that that, that really those team up segments that you mentioned, they did episodes with Rima the Jungle Girl for Pete's sakes. That way, the DC yeah. them, DC doesn't even own that character. I don't know what right. that was about. I would that would have been awesome to see her in Challenge of the Super Friends too. That would have been really. She and Becky Chief probably would have gotten along really well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that you know that's a perfect sort of segue to the last thing we want to talk about here is like is this. For you guys, like, there have been so many iterations of the Super Friends. I mean, this, some show, some, like, IMDb tends to regard all these different versions of Super Friends as different shows. I've always looked at it as it was just one big Super Friends show that changed every year or every other couple of years. Uh, You know, I just like, well, Super Friends was on for, you know, 15 years and it had different iterations and whatever. But, like, is this your favorite version of the Super Friends? I mean, I watched it pretty much all the way up until the very end. I didn't watch the final season because by that point I was was feeling a little old for it. And I just was like, eh, okay. And and they were focusing so heavily on Dark Side, which I didn't care about. But is this, like, for you guys, is this your favorite version of the show? Probably it is for me. I think, you know, once they went further along, Firestorm tends to ruin everything. <laughs> um, no, no, it's – I definitely think this is sort of my definitive version. This is almost, for me, is very close to sort of my definitive version of the Justice League. I mean, for a long time, I had in my mind that the Justice League was – you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Hawkman, not Martian Manhunter, with Robin as their kind of default sidekick. So, yeah, I mean, of certainly of the cartoon series, even including, like, going further back or earlier, like, with the Superman, Aquaman, Our Adventure, like, I kind of lump those in with the same things, even though they're different, you know, production companies. But, you know, I it's basically before the Timverse and after the Timverse. And of that era, yeah, this is kind of the default one for me. Chris, what about you? Yeah, this is my favorite version of the classic Super Friends. I kind of count the the last season, the Galactic Guardians, as a kind of a separate show because they changed the the art style to match the Garcia Lopez designs and and uh, style guides and things. So I kind of always treat that as a separate show in a way. But yeah, when I was a kid, and I, and I watched this when it was new, but when Super Friends was in syndication heavily, they would just air them all together, you know, and you didn't know, okay, am I going to get world's greatest super friends where it's all based on literary stuff and, and, or am I going to get, you know, God help me. Am I going to get the hour long Wendy and Marvin where they never, it's always about some 
well-meaning scientists doing something that <laughs> is, you know, throw off the ecology or something. I mean, you know, it's always, it's always, it's so super preachy. It's, I, I have a hard time with those or is it, or is it going to be challenged? And when it, you know, when I heard banded together from remote, I was like, yes, you know, I was, so ex- I was so excited. It's like, yes, challenge of the super friend. It's like, why, it's like, why didn't they make them all this way? You know? And, and uh, so, yeah, definitely. Now, my absolute favorite Super Friends episode period of the classic is from the next season. That's Universe of Evil uh, with the, you know, mirror universe of the, the super enemies. Uh, but pound for pound, as far as seasons go, yeah, this is my favorite. Tiskoy? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the for me, it's the, when I think about the Super Friends, it's not the, the little the shorts and then... Mar- Marvin and it's not the Global Guardians, even though that was uh, it's not Global Guardians. Is it? It's is that the name? Galactic, Galactic Guardians. Galactic, Galactic Guardians. Guardians. Global Guardians yeah. is something else. Uh, it's although I've watched all those iterations, uh, it's really that that middle ground with Challenge and the uh, the Zan and Jaina uh, stuff. You know those, those seasons that that border uh, Challenge. And but challenge is that sort of perfect. It's sort of it's edgier than you think it 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 is supposed to be. It's it's uh, it's a tribute to the Silver Age. It's got a lot of heroes and villains, and they pit them together against one another again and again. Uh, and it's got some. I mean, it's got some really ropey episodes, but uh, a lot a lot of great ones as well. So yeah, when I think about Super Friends. Challenge is the one, and Challenge is probably the first one I ever saw. Yeah, I would agree. It's me too. I mean, it's it's just when I when I think of Super Friends, this is what I think of, and uh, you know, it's really permeated into the pop culture. You know, I mean, the, there was a, I think a, a, a hockey team, like some hockey players that called themselves the Legion of Doom or something. I don't follow <laughs> hockey at all, but they 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 used like their front line and they called themselves the Legion of Doom or something like that. And certainly, like the Darth Vader helmet. Uh, that the Legion of Doom <laughs> oh, yeah. live in, you know. I mean, it's like it's, you know, it it, it felt the influence of Star of Star Wars too, and and yeah, it's just it remains to me like they really does feel like the comics. It's like the the fun that, that of like base is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I again, why, that's such a shame they never made a playset out of that. Like you could the giant Darth Vader helmet that you could open up and have all the figures in there. That would have been just amazing. It's just uh yeah, sure. I mean the the visual invention on display, I mean they they're taking on giant robots and giant monsters. There's one episode where like the super friends go down in a go down underground and they face a giant monster and the monster has nothing to do with the plot. They just face a monster and they escape <laughs> it and that's it. And they move on to and go on to the story. I mean it's it's got so much for, for an episodes that are like 22 minutes long. Uh, and as you say, Chris, like they're not preachy. They're not trying to teach you anything about, you know, oh, science can go wrong. It's anything. No, it's these are just bad guys who want to destroy the world. And half the time they succeed. And then the superheroes figure yeah. a way to go back in time or fix something. Or again, like those three aliens come down and fix everything in the final episode. It really does have that kind of slightly 70s dark vibe to it while. Yeah, the stories are very sixties, and it is it is still my favorite, and it's it's something that I do every so often, like dig out and watch one, and they are just they're just so much fun to watch. I mean, they're, and again, they and they move like lightning. I mean, stuff just you know the plot kicks in two seconds after the bad guys have hatched their new plan with their new weapon or whatever, and they said they just remind me of the best of what I enjoyed about DC Comics in the seventies. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great show, and that was why we wanted to start talk, start the show, uh, this new series, by talking about it. The the opening alone will get me pumped up every time. I mean, every every version of the Super Friends has a fantastic theme song and a fantastic opening, but that challenge opening. I mean, even if the episode, like Cisco, it says a little ropey, or it's you know the the logic, even for Super Friends, it kind of falls apart at the end. That opening's just pure bliss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you hear that bump. Yeah, it's just uh, and the artwork of them flying together and smashing into one another. It's just great. and the title cards, with all the villains facing off. It's just beautiful. I, I just it's just absolutely love love it. Love it. Challenge Super Friends just so much fun. And I think that's the reason why when the, you got uh, Mark Wade and Jeff Johns doing the audio commentary for some of the episodes on the DVD, no less than those guys talking about the show. They really love it too. So I will say I forgot to mention this earlier. There are. There is a toy of the Hall of Doom out right now. It's in the DC Imaginex line that's for the preschool line. Uh, so you get the Hall of Doom, and there's like a it's like a like a swamp base. So it's kind of like it's floating above the swamp. Wow! And you, it comes with Lex Luthor. So uh, and there's also a Hall of Justice out there. So you can have the Hall of Doom and the Hall of Justice 
in scale, to, well, relatively in scale to one another in the same toy line for the first time right now. So I there think, you go. I ain't got to get on that. I don't buy toys anymore, but maybe I, I got to get that. That sounds too cool to ignore. That sounds awesome. Uh, going forward, future episodes of Saturday Morning Fever are basically, it's going to be, we talk about that it's a network show, and what it's going to be is that any, when any one of us uh, wants to talk about a particular animated show, uh, that's, we're going to do it here. And so it'll be either some of us in a different configurations, or it'll be one of us and a guest. It's just going to be very loose, but anytime we want to talk about an animated uh, show, either from Saturday morning or from the afternoons, this is where we're going to do it. And so these episodes will pop up in sort of random intervals. There won't be any sort of schedule, but... Uh, That'll be the kind of thing we're going to do, and we hopefully uh, will all have a lot of fun talking about the different animated shows we want to talk about. We we had mentioned early on about some of us want to cover certain shows, and we're going to you know we're like going to block them out for other people. So that's what it's going to be going forward. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed this first episode. If you did, please leave us a comment over on our site, which is firewaterpodcast.com, and tell us what you thought about it. And hopefully, we can do more of these. So, guys, uh, I guess we're going to wrap up. Uh, where can everybody be found on the internet? Siskoid. Uh, Siskoid's blog of geekery is where I write most of my stuff, and that's at uh, siskoid.blogspot.com. I'm also a member of the Legion of Super Bloggers. You can find that by Googling those words. And, uh, of course, Fire and Water podcasts. Like everyone else here, uh, I'm in charge of uh, the Lonely Hearts Romance uh, Comics uh, podcast, uh, the Ohatmu or Not uh, series and uh, First Strike Invasion. Ryan? Uh, first of all, before anybody does anything, Rob mentioned the phrase Swamp Witch about 30 minutes ago in the episode. Go to Twitter and grab that Twitter handle before Rob does. <laughs> As for my shows, you can find me on the Secret Origins podcast, the Power of Fishnets podcast, and Give Me Those Star Wars, all three of which are available right here on the Fire and Water Network. Chris? I am on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am on Power Records with Rob, where we talk about stuff that came out when the Super Friends was on TV. Uh, and uh, I am also on the Supermates Podcast with my wife, Cindy, proving I am not in charge on that show. <laughs> hey, Chris, if he's still there, can you ask Solomon Grundy to say goodnight? Solomon Grundy, say goodnight. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Just got here. Really looking forward to doing this. And I gotta say, before we even get rolling, Giganta, she is smoking hot. <laughs> guys? Guys?